1: Out of the pen, out of the mound, it's the second hour of Sports Talk. So glad to be with you as we make our way through this hour. We spent the last hour with Lauren Tate and Jeremy Warner, primarily talking some Illinois football. And I imagine that'll be part of our conversation here this hour as well. But we also got baseball on the mind and other matters as well. Evan Kahn is here. We're on the cusp of Game 3 of the World Series. Michael Massey is a former Illini baseball player and has made it to the big leagues, spent half the season with the Kansas City Royals. He will join us on the line this hour as well. and There's plenty to uh, chat about, too, on a newsy day sports-wise, both near and far. It just came down the pike uh, last hour, Evan, that four more Michigan State players are suspended due to this incident post-game with Michigan, and which, when it's all said and done, may include criminal charges and law enforcement and all that. But uh, another, I guess, among the players suspended, Jacoby Windman, who may be regarded as their best defensive player, who had five and a half sacks as a linebacker and six forced fumbles and 49 tackles overall, good for fifth in the team in, in that category. And... Uh, Illinois going to face a depleted Michigan State defense. Advantage Illinois, although you don't really want to see it in this way, as the Illini will welcome Michigan State into Memorial Stadium on Saturday.
2: Yeah, I kind of thought there there might be more as the guy who was wielding a helmet as a weapon wasn't identified initially and he wasn't suspended. So, so you knew there was more to come. And I was checking the line. The line's actually moved to 15 and a half. So uh, if you're outside of Illinois, I would jump on that right now. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, not good for Michigan State and good for the Illini, but uh, not good for those michigan players either
1: no just kind of an ugly ugly incident overall with how this all all went down but it is obviously impactful for the game at hand and illinois with a win would then be one game away from a big 10 west title with purdue after that and continues to be conversation would there be a major sports outlet here for that game we will see uh baseball Ian Happ is a gold glove winner for the Cubs. He uh, gets his first career gold glove, becoming the fourth Cubs outfielder to earn that since Jason Hayward did it in consecutive seasons a few years ago. Bob Dernier also did it back in 1984, and Andre Dawson won a couple as well. So congratulations to Ian Happ. I think a Cardinals, I thought I saw it come across wire, that a Cardinals guy uh, got it as well. Nolan Arenado. Yep, there we go. Ten straight. Yeah, that makes sense. And also in baseball, uh, the White Sox are apparently going to hire Pedro Grifol. Just like all of you, we all know every bench coach out there uh, on all the major league teams. But he, just for the handful of you who didn't know who he was, he was the bench coach for the Royals. Uh, Most recently, it's not been officially announced, but multiple outlets reporting it, according to sources notable for the White Sox that they are going outside of the organization, which has not been their trend for the last several managers.
2: Yeah, Not uh, just the Tony LaRusa hire. I, I haven't really got to dig into it. Like you said, uh, I'm familiar with a, a lot, but this was not a, a name that I, I knew very well. Uh, it comes with a, a pretty good track record as far as I can see. And being a bench coach, being the right-hand man to, to Mike Matheny for a few years gives you a, a peek inside. And he's got some minor league managerial experience as well. But I, I mean... What? Like (laughs) you're 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 going for a World Series or supposedly going for a World Series and you're going to hire a first time manager who's not somebody who's known to the media, who's going to have to deal with the Chicago media and all of those expectations that come with it. It, it, It's puzzling. Maybe maybe there's more to the guy than we know about, uh, you know, the the guys like Joe Espada have been coming up for two or three years, and they can't get a gig, and this guy does. So maybe maybe he has got something that we haven't seen. But um.
1: yeah, he he could he could pan out. But I, I it, it, that's the old adage: you want experience, you want something new and fresh. And Ozzy Gian clearly brings some. <laughs> I want to call it baggage for lack of a better word and I'm not trying to even deride the guy. I'm mm-hmm. just saying he brings you know what he brings. Even Joe Madden would bring uh, something there that that a f- completely new person wouldn't. So I think maybe we can withhold judgment but it is a little bit of a head scratcher given some of the people that are out there and ready to go manage
2: well they're they're, outside of bruce bocce there haven't been a whole lot of big name hires this year the marlins ended up going with skip schumacher um i can't remember who the royals hired but it wasn't somebody who was uh Uh, the 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 rays uh that's right yeah Rays bench bench coach just yesterday or or two days ago right yeah i believe so so Guy. I can. We all know these bench coaches. I don't know why
1: I'm even saying
2: it. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Teams are going outside of the box. Uh, as we were talking with Joe a couple weeks ago, they're kind of a little more autonomous nowadays, and the front office does a little bit more, so it might not be that big of a deal. But like you said, we'll we'll let spring training, and we'll give him some games, and maybe even his press conference to see what he's got to say first, and then we'll go from there.
1: Well, what I did read about him is...
2: Uh, Clubhouse guy, mm-hmm.
1: kind of you know, good with the players, and that that, if true, is exactly what the White Sox <laughs> need. Somebody can kind of rally the the guys around him, and and they want to go play for him. Uh, the the question this day and age is how do you also keep them accountable mm-hmm. when when you need to. So that's some of the headlines uh, for today. NBA big news: Steve Nash is out with the New Jersey, uh, with the Brooklyn Nets. I beg your pardon. <laughs> Uh, and and the former Boston coach may now go over there, so one drama for another and all that. And then tonight in about uh, 45 minutes, Illinois or so 45 minutes or so, Illinois will learn its ranking in the college football playoffs initial reveal. Yeah, it really doesn't matter because in a sense because it matters what the final rankings are, but it's going to be a feather in their cap. Huge range of predicted uh, positioning there. Uh, and, and picking up where we left off, remember the committee does they look at strength of schedule, and that may be the biggest negative in Illinois. Uh, in Illinois, and it's not their own, it's not their fault. But uh, when you look at who they've beat, they've had decent wins. They've beat decent or good teams, but they haven't beaten great teams. None of them been ranked in the AP when they've played them. In fact, I think only Minnesota was ranked at one point this year. If I'm right, if I'm remembering, Sounds right. maybe, right. Wisconsin, maybe started, Wisconsin started, started preseason, yeah, which doesn't. But doesn't they fell off quickly, can. so. So anyway, we'll see how. It, it, it just what I'm saying is the rankings here will reveal how the committee's looking at mm-hmm. a team like Illinois, which I am curious with because of this dominant defense and and solid offense but a questionable strength of schedule as compared to other teams in the rankings.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and these <laughs> rankings are, are always a, a little different than what the AP puts out because, of, as you mentioned, guys take into account different things. Sometimes, uh, as Matt Stevens pointed out, sometimes they just fill out 1 through 20, and whoever's in you know, those last five don't really matter, whereas uh, the College Football Playoff Committee has been looking at this for the first seven, eight weeks, and, and now they're going to reveal something. As Tom Fernelli pointed out, who, who works for CBS Sports... And, and all kinds of good stuff. And as an Illini as,
1: alum, I think, if not an Illini fan.
2: Yeah, yeah, very devoted. He he pointed it out Saturday, Illinois has got the exact same strength of schedule as one team that everybody has wanted to put in number 1 all year long, that being the Georgia Bulldogs. You know, but I've been reading, I mean, the, the, those that have been looking in,
1: Georgia's strength of schedule is not that strong.
2: Never is. They they've taken Kirby Smart's taken a page out of, of Nick Saban's book and we're not going to play anybody in the non-conference. We're not going to go on the road in the non-conference and if you're you're playing those teams in the SEC East which nobody likes to talk about includes Missouri and Vanderbilt, you know, teams that would be in the bottom of the Big 10 West just as well as they are the East of the SEC. Yeah, they they haven't really played anybody either, but they're the defending national champion. They just just had you know 20 draft picks last year so that's easy to to put them in the top so yes uh, we will find out how the community committee views the eye and, and how that could change over the last four or five games
1: and also at the top there is a somewhat of a moot point because it's uh georgia and tennessee play this week right? yes uh, Ooh, so that y- you want to put tennessee one you want to put georgia one right now there's a case for ohio state to be one you know
2: they're going to put them one and two so that whoever wins ends yeah. up being number one and
1: all that matters is who's the top four at the end of the day oh yeah at the end of the at the end of the season but it um Hey, it gives you something to talk about. It will, it, no doubt, it will give Illinois something to be um, talking about with recruits, something for fans to brag about, mm. and something to just to feel good about. It's entirely meaningless as it pertains to Illinois and Michigan State. Right. I mean, it does nothing. It, you know it doesn't give you a touchdown or something like that, <laughs> but it does give you uh, uh, your logo on ESPN.
2: <laughs> How about that? <laughs> does not happen a whole lot for the orange and blue of Illinois?
1: Might be happening more. Sports Talk brought to you in part by ABC Heating and Air in the middle of the day or night. ABC Heating and Air meets your emergency needs with no change in the service fee. Call ABC to always be comfortable, 352-5400. Well, a few weeks ago we talked to Joe Madden. We're going to talk to Michael Massey here coming up. I guess all the big league managers and players just want to be on Sports Talk. (laughs) So we'll have that conversation and hear about Michael Massey's journey through the big league's his rookie season. Stay with us. We're back after this.
0: No. That was was a quick answer. Oh, man. How about this one? Down the right field line by Michael Massey, and that ball is gone. Home run for nothing Royals. Michael Massey, off a lefty, hits his second career home run.
1: Former Illini Michael Massey got his call up to the big leagues this year What's and has like? completed a about a half a season with the Kansas City Royals and now is into the offseason and is good enough to join us here on our airwaves where we once called his games. Michael, thanks so much for joining us, my friend, and uh, Congratulations.
3: Thank you guys. I uh, appreciate you having me on. It's always uh, always a pleasure when you when you give me that text to come on. I, I always jump at it. So um, excited to be back. Uh,
1: there there was so many people around here that were excited for your call up to the Royals. The first go around, which was in some very unusual circumstances with the unvaccinated players and whatnot. You go up to Toronto. You're three for eight, uh, but then you know that uh presumably you know that okay this was a temporary situation was there any communication did you have an idea that hey i was uh, i'm going to be back up uh soon again
3: yeah no i didn't i didn't have any um you know communication from the team that 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 was the plan um but you know i certainly i certainly did have a feeling you know just kind of with the way the the season was going for us and um you know at, at the trade deadline coming up what was about 10 days after um you know the all-star break when, when we got back from toronto so um you know i, I felt like there was a chance you know to, to say i was you know i thought it was going to happen as quick as it did um you know on the actual trade deadline day i probably would have been lying to you but um you know i felt confident i felt like i i showed enough in that toronto weekend and throughout you know the, the minor leagues and uh, you know the entirety of, of last year so um felt like i was close but uh you know, it happened a lot sooner than I thought.
1: Well, there's, there's so many hopes and dreams going on, and do you feel like there's a schedule? And I don't know if that's unique to the Royals or anything. Do you feel like okay, I'm on a schedule, and this is the year, or is it? Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm blossoming here, and now I think it's the year. I mean, does that come about with time, or is it an expectation?
3: I, I think the, uh, you know, the Royals always talk to us about, you know, the the fifteen hundred at bat mark in, in the minor leagues is, is really a number, uh, you know, where they, they really feel like, okay, you're ready, you know, you're, you're ready to, to kind of go up to the big leagues and, and face big league pitching. And, um, you know, obviously I, I feel a little bit short of that, but um, at the same time, you know, I've, I've had enough at bats under my belt. I think I was just shy of a thousand, um, you know, in, in the minor leagues for my career. And, um, you know, once I got up to the big leagues, what I really learned is that there's, there's no place to learn, Um, the game of baseball than than at the big league level Um, you know the minor leagues are great and and they teach you a lot about the game and you get a lot of experience and and a lot of at-bats but uh, you know the speed of the game the environments the the intensity is just a tick different um, in the big league so uh, you you know going up there and and getting that experience was uh, was really valuable
1: Talking with Michael Massey, former Illini second
2: baseman, now a big leaguer with the Kansas City Royals. Hey Michael, this is Evan. It's funny you bring up that 1,500 plate appearances because I I wanted to ask you just as you've moved through the minors and now that you've made it to the pros, do you, do you ever reflect on your college experience and and maybe what you gained out of playing college baseball and getting your three years here at or yeah, three years here at the U of I um, versus, I don't know if you had opportunities right out of high school, but some of those guys who, who make the jump right away, whereas you got uh, a little bit of a, a different adjustment in college baseball.
3: Absolutely. I think, um, you know, I think play, the, the college level is a, is a very high level um, of baseball, especially in the Big Ten and, and at the Division one level. And, um, you know, when I, I felt like when I was drafted and jumped into pro ball, it was just throughout my career in, in in the minors it's just small adjustments you know I never really felt like I had to make a, a massive adjustment just because I was challenged so much uh, at the college level and I had such good coaching in there between coach Hartlib and, and coach Chris and, and coach Courtright and um, you know just being around those guys every day being around my teammates um, and just being in that competitive environment is very similar uh, to, to what I faced in the minor leagues and so um, you know, obviously, it, it, the level of play kept jumping each level you go, and um, but I, I feel like the the fundamentals and the skills that I learned at Illinois were what made those jumps so so much easier um, to make at each level, and you kind of you catch on quicker uh, just when you have those fundamentals from a from a college program like Illinois. So, uh, you know, they played a, a huge role in in allowing me to have success, um, you know, throughout my my professional career so far.
2: Yeah, and what was that biggest adjustment that you maybe had to make when you, you made it up to the major leagues? We, we always hear when it's you know college to pros, it's, the game's a lot faster. Well, well, guys are throwing 90 to 100 for, for quite a while, so, so what was maybe something that was different once you got up there versus uh, down in the minors?
3: I think the biggest thing was just a, a pitcher's ability to execute his sequence. Um, and, and what I mean by that is you know in the minor leagues, they know your weakness. Um, you know, it's not a – it's not hidden. Um, you know, they have the data down there as well to, to see, you know, what pitches you don't hit well, where you don't hit it well. Um, but in the big leagues, it's just a different animal as far as they know that, and then they can go in there and execute it. And they're going to keep executing it until you find a way to figure it out. And, um, you know, I was talking actually with one of my teammates, um, and uh, and we were talking about that one of the differences is in the big leagues, you it's not so much the – that every at bat is so much different, but there's a lot of times in the big leagues in the second half of the year where I looked up and I was over my last ten, and I felt like not, I, it flew by. You know, we're in the minor leagues. I think I maybe had a handful of those in my career, um, but it's just it things add up a lot quicker in the big leagues because they don't give in and there's no nights off. You know, you show up to the park, you're you're getting uh, you know somebody's best stuff, and you're going to get a really good pitcher that night. Um, and even if you even if you do score up a ball, there's there's you know, seven guys out in that field that can track it down like like nobody else. So, um, just those margins become a little bit smaller.
1: Well, I was curious how you navigate that because I would think that once you're there, there's a part of you that feels like I belong there. But as soon as that 0 for 10 stretch hits, do you do you feel like you're looking over your shoulder a little bit or wondering, you know, is or do you have that confidence? Look, no, I belong here and I can I can play this out.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I I think at first, you know, it's, it's a bit, uh, especially like the second or third time that it happened. Um, you know, I think you're, you're a bit shaken at first and then, you know, toward the end of the year, it really just became motivating for me. Um, you know, to just get in there and kind of like, okay, like I know I belong here. Like I played well in the minor leagues. There's nothing for me to go back there and prove to anybody, you know, now it's about figuring out this level. And I just kind of took on that challenge. And, and that's kind of the way I'm looking at my off season. It's just looking at Looking at areas of my game that, you know, maybe got exposed at the big league level or, or things that I need to work on and um, just in really enjoying and falling in love, you know, falling in love again with that process of really getting better and trying to tighten up those weaknesses and, um, you know, getting better at studying pitchers and, and kind of playing the game back with them. And so, uh, yeah, t- toward the end of the year, it really started to change mentally for me. So
1: as we're talking with Michael Massey, you get the call up to go play with the Royals in Toronto for this this COVID deal, then sent back down and then called back up at the trade deadline, and you make your U.S. debut of all places in the White Sox home stadium, the team you grew up going to see and the team you grew up rooting for. How surreal was that moment? Plus, you had like 50 people, I heard, uh, in a contingent there cheering you on.
3: This is uh this is kind of a crazy story and I think it it actually might have helped me on that day but uh I got called up the night before. So we were in I was in Omaha and uh I got scratched from the lineup. I got a call saying, "Hey, get to Chicago." They had you know they booked me a flight. So I drive about 20 minutes from the ballpark in Omaha to the Omaha airport and uh I get out, you know, I'm checking my bags in and I see that the the flight that I'm supposed to be on has a layover in Denver. <laughs> And so I'm supposed to go from Omaha, which should be a you know hour flight from Omaha to Chicago was from Omaha to Denver and then from Denver to Chicago. So I ended up calling our travel guy and I'm like, Hey, like there's a stop in Denver. Like it, I'm going to get in at two in the morning. Like, and he's like, yeah, you can't, you can't get on that flight because if you missed your connection in Denver, you're not going to be here tomorrow. And we need you to play. So I ended up driving from Omaha to Chicago and I got into the hotel in Chicago at about three in the morning. Um, I slept for probably four or five hours, got up and went to go play the one o'clock game, uh, you know day game, and really didn't know what was going on. To be completely honest with you, because I was just so exhausted that I think it kind of helped me settle down. Because there were, I did have a lot of family and I had a lot of friends there, but um, you know, it was one of those things. It's almost like sometimes when you have an injury, you, you stop you know worrying about all the outside stuff because you're so consumed with your injury that you actually sometimes play better. Uh, so that That was uh kind of a crazy story that I think actually helped me settle in in Chicago, and then the next time we came back like a month later that was um that was really where it hit me that I was playing in front of all the people that uh you know that sacrificed a lot for me to get here and and really are, are big parts you know as to why I was able to wear the uniform up there.
1: Michael Massey with us on Sports Talk.
2: So maybe that wouldn't be the the best part of making it up to the bigs, but uh, my personal favorite baseball movie is Bull Durham. I I can't imagine it's exactly how Kevin Costner describes it, but what's the best part of being a major leaguer?
3: Um, I think just every single night, uh, you know, when you put on that uniform and and you go out there, and and I always would try to, you know, look into the stands, and you see a bunch of uh, dads with their kids and, um, just every night being reminded of, of how special it is to, to be able to step on a, on a major league baseball field and uh, to constantly be reminded you know how blessed I've been in my life how lucky I've been to have really really good coaches really really good teammates um, and a bunch of people you know having my back and supporting me um, and it's on full display like I said when you run out there every night you could just you feel it um, and it's, it's really special so I think that for me that's you know that's the part that hits home the most that's that's probably the
1: coolest thing um, about it that's an outstanding answer we also would have accepted the spread or the chartered aircraft but (laughs) i I think yours is good
3: first step is not yeah that's not a that's a close second
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah that's not too bad Uh, uh something i i wondered about it is we've talked about um the these new rules coming into major league baseball you've kind of got to see some of them I don't know exactly what levels we're trying what rules but what what have you gathered from the pitch clock and maybe the shifting and how is that affecting your approach headed into next season
3: to be completely honest with you I love all of them Hmm. Um, you know I love the the pitch clock I think is really nice because it allows you to sometimes pitchers especially relief pitchers come in and they kind of have these funky wind-ups and they like to you know, tap their toe 15 times before they come set. Um, and you know what? And even as a fielder, just like fans don't want to come and watch a four-hour game, I can promise you players don't want to play a four-hour game. we got 162 of them. So um, we're going to get plenty of baseball in whether we play a three-hour game or a four-hour game. Uh, and so I think that what I noticed in AA with the pitch clock was just the pace of play was significantly better. Uh, which I think just keeps players more engaged, keeps fans more engaged, and then as far as the shift goes, I I really like that they're you know going back and both infield you got two infielders on each side of the base and feet in the dirt. I, I think you know the, the way pitching is, you know I, I think it's interesting how people always talk about ah, you know the strikeouts are way up and these guys are all trying to hit homers and the reality is the pitching has just gotten so much better. You know, these guys are nasty as far as being able to pitch shape, being able to spin the ball. Um, And so it's really boring to me as a fan when you have a guy who's as good as Justin Verlander or Clayton Kershaw on the mound. And now, even if a hitter does hit it solidly, they have so much data that it goes most of the time right to somebody. And so, from a fan's perspective, you're taking out, you know, first to third plays doubles down the line guys scoring from first and so I think when you put infielders back in in the dirt um I think it's going to open up some holes and it's going to allow for more of those plays that fans like to see you know Vlad Jr. trying to throw somebody out at third base or Mike Trout trying to throw somebody out at home like sometimes the game I think it's too scripted um in the shift and so I I think the fans are really going to enjoy it and I know as a left-handed hitter I'm really going to enjoy it <laughs> Trying to use that three-four hole like I did uh, back in my college days quite a bit. I was going
1: to say you 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 usually are using the shift uh, against lefty pull hitters as a second baseman, but now you don't have to try to hit into one anymore. As a well, I don't want to box you into a pull hitter, but I would suspect. You can say it, Scott. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm just trying to be delicate about the whole matter, but. No. <laughs> Um you there's also a lot uh, going on um you know, with shifts in in managers and, and whatnot. So the Kansas City Royals have a new manager, and uh, reportedly, your bench coach is going to the White Sox to be a manager. I just wonder on November first, what does how does that impact you as a baseball player, uh, knowing that y- your coaching staff's going to be different next year?
3: Yeah, I think just, you know, excited, excited to, to get to meet the new staff and, um, you know, obviously the staff that we had, you know, I, I really enjoyed, you know, those guys playing for Coach Matheny and, and Pedro, who just got hired, um, you know, by the White Sox, which is going to be a great fit for uh, for the White Sox. and I think those fans are going to be happy about that. Um, you know, just just uh, excited to, to kind of hear what they're about and, and uh, you know, see, see who we bring in. I know there's still a couple spots open and... Uh, just, just another opportunity to learn from from really high level baseball guys is, uh, is is something that I'm looking forward to. You know, obviously the you know coming from the Rays, they have a, a very good organization down there, and they've been really successful as far as getting in the playoffs and, and making postseason runs. And um, you know, so obviously they're doing something right down there. So to be able to uh, you know firsthand be able to talk to somebody who's been a part of that and uh, you know has a pretty impressive baseball resume himself is uh, it's uh, it'll be cool.
2: Where, where are your plans here in the off season? You going to get some abs somewhere? You you just working out, hanging out in Arizona? Uh, what what you got going on here for the next few months?
3: Yeah, I'm just hanging out back in uh, back in Chicago. Um, you know, working out at uh, my high school and and kind of kind of going old school again and just kind of getting back to the things that that I felt like really helped me get there and, and doing you know a weightlifting program and, and mobility and yoga classes and. Mm. Uh, Taking a boxing class once a week just to try to change some things up, um, you know, and kind of kind of get away from from being stagnant. And um, yeah, the one thing I've learned is, is I've continued to play. Is you know the all the stuff in the weight room is great, but you know being able to have that coordination that's the game. You know, being able to make plays on the run, being able to go first a third and hit the right you know right side of the base on your turn, and uh, being able to hit a moving ball with a bat. You know, so. And, Anything that, that challenges my coordination, like today I, I had a conditioning day and I, I basically just went to my high school gym and uh, I played basketball and I, and I, just like I was a kid, just like I was eight years old in, in the driveway and I'm taking an imaginary defender to the basket, um, but just getting getting back to those athletic moves and those things where you could just roll around as a kid because over the course of 162 games, you know, I, at 24 years old, I kind of am who I am, you know, physically, it's probably not going to change a whole bunch. so everything that I do in the weight room and now is more focused on staying healthy as opposed to I'm trying to lower my sprint time or get bigger and stronger. You know, I'm trying to maintain what I have and, and stay healthy and, um, you know, really use the offense or the off season to, uh, to really work on my hand eye coordination and, and, uh, just developing some other skills. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's been cool. It's been fun to, to kind of be back in, in my hometown and, and working out at the high school. And, uh, I'm coming down this weekend to, uh, the Michigan State game with my family so looking forward to being back in Champaign for a little bit as well and, and seeing the new uh the Atkins facility that uh, that they put up
1: that's right now you can uh if you if you get to see any of the players you can say you know back in my day son we didn't have <laughs> these fancy indoor workout facilities we just toughed it out outdoors
3: <laughs> exactly exactly I can use uh, my dad's favorite line that I won't be proud of it though I can promise you that <laughs>
1: all right well hey do you watch the world series by the way do you take it in like uh, any other fan and and uh watch it on your couch or whatever
3: ah uh, you know i i uh i wish i could say I, i'd caught bits and pieces of it but um you know it's like if you eat chicken 200 nights in a row you, you really like chicken but by the 200th night i think you're just kind of sick of chicken so uh, <laughs> you know i love baseball and and uh i love playing i love watching but after uh, playing 145 games this year plus spring training, I'm. Uh, I think I've moved on to football.
1: Well, thankfully Illinois got something for you to uh, digest and and enjoy. It, it's been a good meal here this year so far. Um, stop by yeah. Grange Grove if you can this Saturday when you're coming through. We'd love to see you. And uh, Michael, my friend, we knew uh, pretty quick when when you got here you were a really good ball player. But it's it's really cool to see this all happen to an even better person. So. Uh, we've been pulling for you through this whole thing and, and hope there's many more seasons to come with you at the big league level.
3: No, I appreciate that. Scott, man. I, I uh, like I said, I always jump when you text me, I jump at the opportunity to, to get on and, uh, and reconnect with you guys. So I always, I always say it. I love my time in Illinois. I enjoy being down there. Um, you know, university is great, but it was people like, uh, like you, Scott, and just in, and having the conversations that we did throughout my career there on bus rides and, you know, trips and, and, uh, you know, those are things I'll never forget. So, always appreciate you guys, and uh, looking forward to hopefully catching up to this weekend.
1: All right, be well, my friend. Congratulations. Thank you, guys. Thank That's you. Michael. Thank you. That's Michael Massey, Kansas City Royals second baseman, and he's got a good head on his shoulders about the mm-hmm. whole thing. And it's fun to just, hear, you know, I, you know, I, I hate to, I just like geeking out on by, baseball too. I love hearing players talk about the game. And he's good at doing it. You know? Yeah,
2: yeah. You, we, we, we are the people that, that would be interested. So <laughs> I
1: had a good time with it. I, I I did, too. So hopefully you did as well. And, and I you know, it, there's just not too many guys that came through Illinois baseball at the position player level uh, like a Michael Massey. Mm-hmm. But like I said, he's, he's just a good Good dude. Heads on his shoulder. Great family. Uh, the kind of guy that you like representing your program, whether it's big leagues or, or the college program. So we appreciate his time. We're back in a moment on Sports Talk. I've got something that John Calipari did oh. that that I want to play for you that I wonder if would be what Brad Underwood might be thinking. I'm not sure, but I'll pro- play this for you when we come back. Okay. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Hi, this is Tyler Crow
3: from Perry Central Basketball. Get the award-winning News Gazette delivered to your home plus full digital access. Go to newsgazette.com and click on subscribe.
1: We enjoyed our conversation with Michael Massey, Illinois, a former Illinois baseball player. By the way, Curtis Granderson, once he uh, accumulated some of his Major League money, built UIC a new stadium. Mm Mm-hmm. Just saying, just bringing that up. I'm pretty sure Grandy signed a hundred million dollar contract <laughs> in New York at one time in his career. Oh, so first things first. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. we won't put a cap on this whole thing. That's yeah. all. I'm let say. him let
2: him buy a house for his parents first. M- maybe just you know a new press box. I don't know.
1: <laughs> all right. Um, uh, John Calipari uh, drew drew a little bit of attention. He he put out a a video uh, tweet today. A video on twitter today uh, a message before a message to big blue nation bbn i guess before i head into practice let's enjoy this ride and i just thought it was interesting that a a coach would say this um and and be transparent and b and i wonder if this is not what brad underwood might be thinking similarly hmm. listen in
0: as i get ready for practice bbn I said, let me talk about this team a little bit and be direct to you. I like the pieces. We got the player of the year. We got another first team all conference. We got good young guys, but let me explain to you. And you know, I'm honest about stuff. We're not where we need to be right now. And I'm looking at November and December saying, we could be a little shaky. And what we're building to And what we're doing every day, these guys are giving everything. I love the pieces. I love the teammates. But what we have to do to win at the highest level is going to take us a little time. I'm saying this for me as well as you to say every day, man, get better. Every day you step on the gas to look at this to say, where can we take this? The big picture of this Is January, February, we got to be at our best. Hopefully, the injury bug hit us early this year instead of what it did last year and hit us late. Let's hope that we move on. Can't wait to get the entire group together and then start working together to grow this thing. Good group. Let's have some fun. Let me coach, let me cheer these guys on, hold them accountable. And let our fans enjoy the ride, because that's what this is.
1: So that's John Calipari talking directly to Kentucky fans. And Illinois is not quite in the same situation with some of the injury issues that Kentucky's had with Oscar Tshiebwe just mm-hmm. coming back and all that stuff. But I thought that was interesting for a coach to basically say, measure us in January and February, <laughs> not now. And I was starting to read up a little bit on UCLA because that's Illinois' first game in Las Vegas. And, I mean, that team is loaded. Mm-hmm. It is a really good-looking team. And I just don't know if you can really measure Illinois basketball this month. Because now we're in November.
2: Yeah, um... Two words came to mind as I heard that. Lowering expectations. (laughs) That's exactly what he was doing there. For a guy whose team finished under five hundred a couple years ago and had an early exit last year, what he's doing is lowering expectations. Because early last year, they were coming out. The the message boards were just like the message boards here and in Nebraska and Auburn saying, you know, we can get this money together for a buyout. And, And what he's doing there is saying, guys... We got to lower expectations just a little bit because it, we're we're not gonna be that number one team right away.
1: Right away is key. I I don't think he's sitting there going, "I'm fine with a you know two games over five hundred and and a ten No, but he's
2: getting out ahead of it.
1: Yes, he is. And so it's an interesting move on his part, public relations wise, but it's also uh, a very transparent statement in yeah. to say, "Hey." look at reality where we are and we're not going to stay here but just and they've got a you know they got a really yeah. hard early schedule so
2: as always yeah so so those many 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 wins and many 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 championships might take some time for for old chin and antigua and <laughs> in calipari to get i knew this would dun, get you dun, going dun, dun. i knew it'd get you going because you it's like from that? john calipari yeah
1: <laughs> back to rap in a moment
0: You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Join us Wednesday night out at the Atkins Golf Club at the University of Illinois in Urbana with the Quarterback Club. It'll be the Brett Bielema Radio Show, 7 to 8, right here on DWS, coming up Wednesday night.
1: About to learn Illinois' ranking in the college football playoffs. That's coming up, and then Game 3 of the World Series tonight, and... We just saw a posting of 45-mile-an-hour winds on Saturday here in Champaign for that football game. And it's been an adventure for Michigan State's uh, special teams unit. So, well,
2: it's a good thing that we've got all those mountains to block the wind around here, so that'll <laughs> that'll calm things down. And, oh, plenty plenty to, to watch and entertain tonight, and that coaching kerfuffle out there in the east does slightly affect us because the Bulls are playing in Brooklyn tonight. What do you know? Oh,
3: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well... We
1: had fun today. We talked with uh, Jeremy Warner in the first hour with Lauren Tate. We talked to Michael Massey here in this hour with Evan Kahn. And I'm Scott Beatty. Ed Bond on the other side. Appreciate everyone's work. And we'll be at Atkins Golf Club tomorrow with the quarterback club for our show. Tune in then and have a great evening. Newstalk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Good night.